I just wonder what it was like to be the Savior in the hands of an angry God. Think about that. Everything that should have happened to us, are you looking for this? I was going to preach out of that. Everything that should have happened to us happened to Jesus. And every wrath that should have fallen on you and me, he took for his own. Amen. Oh, praise God. Yeah, I enjoy hearing them, those kids sing. I can call them kids. I can feel the tension running out my fingers and toes. Y'all got any of your CDs here? Uh, Y'all get some of those things. And it'll help them. It'll help you. And uh, you need to buy a couple for somebody for Christmas. Amen. They, they don't. Uh, you got somebody who can't find anything to buy for? Buy them some gospel music. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. John chapter number eight. I'm so thankful for brother, to brother Prophet for allowing us to come back, and and uh, we always enjoy coming around here. This has got the this building's got the best light <laughs> I have ever preached in. Amen. John chapter 8, if you'd like to change positions and stand on the reading of the word, you do that. John chapter number 8, verse 1. You got that? There's seven of you. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst... They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in a very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger rolled on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. They which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening. Lord, bless the reading of the scripture, a very familiar text. And Father, help the familiarity not to lead us to where we can't see something from you. And Father, when it's said and done, we'll bow at Calvary and give you the glory and praise because nobody deserves it but you. Amen. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. On attempt to pray tonight on this thought, a big pile of stones. Amen. I thought I was going to preach on seven reasons Jesus is not a Democrat. <laughs> but that got up to 90, 982 points and I didn't think y'all to sit still for that long enough. And then when I got been thinking about that, the Lord said, I want to tell you I'm not a Republican either. So then I'd have to preach about him not being Republican. I'm glad he is who he is. Amen. This story that we've read about this evening 
I can assure you it's not about this woman. Now she's in here and we're going to deal with what she's done and who she is. But this is about Jesus having compassion and pity on an old sinner. And this is also a glimpse into the life of some people that really wanted to stone her. And their own conscience said, you don't deserve to do that. Big pile of stones. Notice some thoughts tonight by way of illustration. Number one, I want you to see the intimidating presence. The Lord has come into this temple and he sat down to teach the people. And in the midst of the service that they've got there, here comes the scribes and the Pharisees dragging this woman into the midst before the people and before Jesus. Disturbing the whole service. Putting in jeopardy anybody that might have been there that need to be saved. These religious people are going to have their way about the service. No matter what happens. The intimidating presence. And I say that because I've got the feeling that this woman could barely lift her head to look around at what was there. How embarrassing. How terrible. To be taken in any sin, but this one especially. And they brought her in the midst and they've forced her to sit in front of the Lord. I don't believe she can I don't believe she can raise her head to look at what's around her. But from her peripheral vision, she sees some things. And I, I want to mention these things in the, in, in the intimidating presence. First of all, she had to have known the scribes were there. They're, they're the ones that broke into her home and drug her in. Do you know anything about the scribes? If they were part of the Sanhedrin, and chances are they were, the, part of their what they had to do, they had to have the Pentateuch memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy committed to memory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's about as far as I've got. I don't know about y'all. You, you look like you're really intelligent. But. They're standing around looking down their long ecclesiastical noses. And she can't help, I believe, but be intimidated by the presence of these scribes. You and I need to be very careful when we get around people that are involved in sin Amen. that we don't look down on them. Right. But for the grace of God, there go I. We like to quote that Baptist verse, brethren, Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual, stone the sucker. Yeah. No, that's not what it says. Says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Amen. So the way we help our brother out of sin is the way they're going to help us out. Amen. And here's the way we do it. I told you it's going to get in trouble. You should have listened to me. How many times have I warned you? Didn't I warn him? 
All right, give me a hand. Let me help you up out of that sin. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritually starts on one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So the same way I help my brother out of sin is the way they're going to help me out of sin when it's my turn. The intimidating presence, she had to have looked around in her peripheral vision and saw the scribes that were there. Not only did she see the scribes, she had to see the stones that they brought along with them. There were not already stones in the temple. I don't know whether they had them in a sack. Y'all know what a poke is? I can tell by looking at you, you know what side of the cow said. I know, don't you? Don't shy away from that. That's nothing wrong with that. Did they have them just in their hands? Did they have them in a sack? With her head bowed in shame and despair, she has to look around and see the stones. My, my. Iraq is about the last country that stones people. It's a public exhibition. If you're a man, they bear you up to your waist. If you're a woman, they bear you up to your chest. And they want the stoning to last at least one hour. Thus, they cannot use stones that are too small not to do the job. And neither can they use ones too big that would kill the person too soon. They want to stretch it out. By the way, this is God's rule. You know, I believe that if the punishment was bad enough, we wouldn't do a crime anymore. That's why we have so many repeat offenders. The punishment's not very hard. They're going to spend 90 days somewhere where they can pump iron and get three meals and... As her vision looks around and the tears maybe dry from her eyes the moment she's got to see those stones. Are they going to throw them one time and not throw them again? Are they going to throw them once and go get them and repeat and repeat and repeat for an hour until she's dead? She's got to see this stuff. The intimidating presence, she sees the scribes there and she sees the stones there, and there's no doubt she sees the Savior there. This is perfection personified. This is the one that stepped out of nowhere and stood on nothing and spoke the world into existence. And he's perfect, and he's sitting there, and she can't help but notice who he is. He ought to bring conviction to our hearts and lives. He ought to bring shame when, when sin comes along. He ought to make us embarrassed by the sin that we get into. We take Jesus too lightly. Take him frivolously. He's the son of God. He deserves every honor and praise that you and I can dig around in our fleshly minds and put upon him. For years I considered the faithfulness of the Lord to be such an outstanding characteristic that he had. 
faithful. I've never got up one morning in my life and wondered if the sun was going to come up. It's going to come up because he's faithful. It's going to go down because he's faithful. Things are going to work the way he says they'll work because he's faithful. Isaiah in chapter 6 said he's holy. Then he said it again. Then he thought, maybe if I say it the third time, it'll really get over. He's holy, 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 amen. And here sits this sinner woman in the presence of perfection. I remember the night when I came without anything to face the Lord. Brother Andrew, I also grew up in a preacher's home. I've never seen the wonderful world at Disney. It's always come on Sunday night. I've never seen it. And I don't want to. We never got up one Sunday morning in our life and said, are we going to church today? Yeah. If it's Sunday, we're going to be there. If it's Sunday night, if it's Wednesday night, we're going to be in church. And I was lost as I could be. And I had all this stuff that I put up. A preacher's kid and I got a Bible and I, I know some verses and I know uh, Amazing Grace and I started leading singing in my dad's church when I was 13 and sang in the choir and sang in the quartet. I had all this stuff. But the night that I came naked before Jesus, do you understand what I'm saying? And I faced perfection. Oh, the intimidating presence. Number two, I want you to notice the intended purpose. The intended purpose. They are out to shame this woman. Now when the Bible said that she was taken in adultery. And then qualifies that by saying in the very act. Well they must have busted the door down to this woman's home. They must have rushed boldly into the bedroom to bring shame upon her. Maybe she was set up by this crowd. We don't know. Maybe it was one of them that got her in this place where they could attack her. Again, they don't care anything about her. They're trying to get Jesus to go against the Mosaic law so they have something to take against him. They don't care about her woman. She is a means to the end. The intended purpose is to bring shame into this woman's life. And from what I can read, they've accomplish that we oftentimes see someone that's been saved longer than we have that get out into sin it makes us feel pretty proud well I haven't been saved as long as they have but at least I didn't do that see we kind of we kind of you know smooth over our sin uh, to point at somebody else Politicians do this a lot. Don't get me involved in that. Move on, Harold. They intend to shame this woman. There's, there's nothing to be gained by bringing shame to someone's life who's been taken in sin. If you read your Bible, the word mistake is not found in your Bible. The word problem is not found in your Bible. We've taken the word sin... And set it aside and put the word problem in its place. 
Preacher, what's wrong with that family? How come they don't come anymore? Well, they've got a lot of problems. We need to pray for them. Well, if it's a problem, you can call Dr. Phil. I guess. How come those... How come they're dropped off the wayside? How come they don't come around anymore? Well, they just made some mistakes. Well, if it's a mistake, they can call Oprah. Don't do that. But if we call it what the Bible calls it and call it sin, now we've got to deal with God over this. You can't go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and get sin fixed. You've got to go to God. The intended purpose is to shame her, to scorn her. There's an I'm better than you attitude that I kind of read into this. You know why I can read it in there? Because I think that's probably what I'd say and how I'd feel if I was one of those scribes that day. Shame on me and shame on you if you feel that way. Scorn. I, I'm better than you. I, I haven't done that. I, I've done some things, but not, not in near as bad as that. And I don't even know if the Lord can forgive you or save you from that. But I'll tell you something. There's no sin that he can't take care of. Amen. The shame and the scorn, the intended purpose to shame her, to scorn her, and to stone her. They want to kill this woman. That's what their purpose is. They brought her in here to get Jesus to go against the law that Moses, that, that God gave Moses. But the side benefit is they're going to take her life. They're going to stone her. And I believe that we can get to the place where when someone gets into sin and, and we have exposed that sin that we look around for somebody else. Let me see if there's anybody else I can out. Aren't we having a good time tonight? Amen. Hey, you wait till I, you wait till I see them. Let me tell you what I heard they did. There's not many. There's nobody swinging from a chandelier tonight. And I know why. The intimidating presence, the intended purpose. Notice number three, the introspective pause. Now, the Lord is riding on the ground and they say that Moses the law said we should stone her. What sayest thou? And he don't say anything. You know, there's a, there's a great deal to be said about silence. About not answering again. About keeping your mouth shut. Amen. I see the gall of these men. Now, they continue asking, and him, verse 7, lift up himself and said unto them, He that was out sin among you, let him first cast the stone to her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, I write my messages out, and, but I guess the Lord only wrote this one, and I don't even think he preached it. Amen. So he didn't need notes. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. They which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, Began at the eldest in the last, and Jesus left alone the woman staying in the midst. So this is the pause between the accusation and the stoning. This is a pause between them bringing this woman and 
and rushing in here saying, yes, sir, he's going to say the law said to stone her because that's what the law says. Did you know that? That's what the law says. The gall, the brazen boldness, the insolence, the petulance, if you will, of this crowd to bring this woman to Jesus. I'm afraid you and I may have been guilty in the past Getting on the face thing. What's it called? Face Facebook. I don't have one. Jeannie's got one. I just read stuff on hers and make comments and lay the phone down and go outside. <laughs> I read on there one time this woman said that her dog died. She couldn't wait to see him in heaven. And I wrote and said, uh, yeah, except for the fact that they don't go to heaven. I laid the phone down and left. Jeannie said it blew up. We'll talk about that some other time. The introspective pause. I see the gall and I see the guile. What are you talking about, Brother Harold? What about the guile? Uh, well, where's the fella? If they're going to go by the law, the law said both of them are to be stoned. They don't care about the law. They don't care about this woman. They sure don't care about the man. They let him go. Or maybe it's one of them. We, we're pretty good at pointing out other people's faults. But we don't dwell much on ours. Deceitfulness. The gall and the guile and the guilt. Jesus says if you don't have any sin, you just go ahead and throw a stone at her. And he's the only one in the crowd that had the right to do that. She hadn't sinned. And so now they, by their own conscience, and by the way, we don't have a lot of that in the day and age we live in. There's not much conscience about sin. Something on the political scene pops up and it's so bad and the news attacks it, but before it can be dealt with, something over here worse than that pops up. Everybody forgets this one because they're going to dwell on that one. And I believe the politicians know if they can ride this and out for about, you know, 10, 15 days, something else will come up over here. It's right. even worse than that, and everybody forget their stuff. Right. I think Baptists do it too. Yeah. 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 Ain't no sense in preaching the Methodists. They're not here tonight. Right. I'm going to. Amen. The guilt. The truth is, all of them are guilty of something. Sure. By their own conscience. They said, you... And brought these stones in here and you don't have the right to throw one of them at her. I believe about this time you could hear some of the stones start hitting the ground. Doesn't say they dropped them and doesn't say they don't drop them. So let's look at it both ways. I believe by their own conscience they know they can't throw the stone at this woman. But maybe some of them said, well, uh, I didn't get her, but... There'll be another something down the road. I looked long and hard. This is a perfect stone. This is just the right size. This will do a lot of damage. And I'm keeping this one. And I wonder if they wrote bitterness on there. Or anger. Or jealousy. Or envy. You know, the young man comes to his father and said, 
giving the portion of goods that fall to me, and he divided both of them as living. And not many days the younger goes in the far country and wastes his substance in riotous living. Bible said when he spent all the rose and mighty fam in the land, he attached himself to a citizen to feed swine. That's the lowest position a Jew boy can take. He comes to himself. You know why? He's out of his mind. You're, you're a child of God and you get away from God. You get away from church. You're a little bit something wrong. And he said, servants in my father's house have bread enough to spare. I'm not quoting it verbatim, but he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and tell my father I'm no longer be worthy to call a son. Make me as a servant. He comes home that day and, and he gives part of the speech and finally the father said, I've heard enough. Thank God when the father says, that's enough. He said, bring the robe and bring the ring. We're going to have a party. The older boy's in the field. When he comes in, won't even go in the house. Father has to come out and entreat him. And he said, you killed a fatty. It's all about a, a goat. You killed a kid for him. You hadn't done that for me. He said he's gone over there and wasted the living with harlots. Now, how did he know that, preacher? He didn't know that. He didn't know that's where the boy had gone. They didn't have text messages in those days. They didn't have this uh, uh, you thing, tube. See, I believe the boy was kind of wanting to go to the far country. There's a little envy there for a little brother that had gone off and had a party. I'm staying here and I'm working hard and I'm doing what dad says to go, but my heart be out there. I've known folks sit in the pure chair of a church for years and went prodigal without leaving the pew in their hearts and minds. I don't know what they wrote on those stones and I don't know whether they kept them or not but by their own conscience they said I cannot throw this stone. We looked at the intimidating presence and the intended purpose and the introspective pause. Notice the immutable pardon. <laughs> Verse 10, when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, none but the woman None but the woman. None. Does that mean all the people he had been teaching to earlier got up and left too? Kind of looks to me like there's just him and her. I mean that crowd. Would If Jesus is here, we're two or three together together, he's here. But if he physically walked in here, boy, wouldn't I sit down quick and say, here's a mic. You just help yourself. Amen. And if we knew he was going to be here, well, there would be a crowd. I guess they all left. Saw none but the woman and said to her, verse middle 10, where are those unaccusers? There's no man condemned thee. And she said, no man, Lord. And I believe when she said Lord, that's when she claimed him as her Savior. You can think what you want and preach what you want. Just leave me alone. Right. <laughs> Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I. The, the, the immutable part. This is better than, this is a divine pardon. Amen. This is better than presidential. This is better than the governor. This is better than anybody pardoning you. When Jesus says, you're forgiven. It don't matter what anybody else says. 
the immutable pardon. It's divine. It's directing. Now, Jesus doesn't just gloss over the sin part. He said, go and sin no more. Quit doing it. There's a place you can eat called Cracker Barrel. Any of y'all ever heard of this place? Okay. It's a great place to eat. It's a really bad place to be in a typhoon or something like that. All that stuff hanging on the ceiling. We stopped there to eat and they, uh, we had a meal and uh, uh, part of what I had had some green beans with it. And they'd put sugar in the green beans. And I went out and I, wouldn't, I didn't say anything to anybody but the manager said, hey, how's your meal? He asked me. I said, you put sugar in the green beans? He said, yeah. I said, quit. And I walked out. He's probably not going to quit because I told him, but he asked me. He asked me what I thought about it. So I told him, amen. Go and quit. Go and sin no more. It's a directing pardon. A divine pardon. But a directing pardon. Quit doing what you're doing. Do something worthwhile in your life. Nothing can live in a vacuum. The Baptists are really good at quit doing that and don't do that and don't wear that and don't smoke that and don't go there and don't listen to that. We're really good with that don't stuff, but we don't tell what to do. When you quit doing all these things, nothing can exist in a vacuum. And if all these things go out pretty soon, something's got to come in. Amen. If the right things don't come in, it's no good. When the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walked through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I'll return to my house once I came out. When he come, he find the house swept and garnished. Then goeth he and take a seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And here in the and dwell there in the last day, that man's worse than the first. So you got this man, we don't know his name, let's call him Harold. Is there another Harold here tonight? I'm going to pray. Pray to him. So Harold's got this sin, this unclean spirit. Bible don't tell him what it is. Could have been listening to bad music or doing, looking at pornography or, or running stoplights. I felt conviction fall right there. And he said, I'm going to quit this sin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit doing it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And he feels pretty good about that. So he just looks around his house to see what else can I quit doing. Bible said when the unclean spirit comes back, she finds the house swept. So Harold quits everything that he thinks is wrong. Everything, everything. If it just seems wrong, Harold quits it. I'm gonna quit everything. I'm gonna quit everything. And then boy, his house looks awful empty. Bible said he comes back, the unclean spirit finds the house swept and garnished. You know what garnish is? Go to that good steakhouse. They bring you a brown wooden plate and a black metal plate that's hot and a brown steak and a brown tater and it's all kind of brown. <laughs> so just to liven things up, they take this little hunk of parsley. Have you seen this? They poke it right down there between the steak and the tater. Now I'll tell you something about parsley. There's nothing you can do to it that makes it fit to eat. I've salted and peppered it. I've Worcestershired it. I've A1'd it. 
Texas Pete. Finally, my wife said, you're not supposed to eat that. I said, what's it on the plate for? She said, it's garnish. It just makes things look better. So when the unclean spirit comes back, Harold's garnished his house. He's gone up in the attic and found the old family Bible and put it on the coffee table. And he remembers the kids making those plaster of Paris praying hands at vacation Bible school. Some of y'all remember those? He goes out in the garage, finds those, brings them in, puts them on the piano. Finds a picture of Jesus praying in the garden and puts it on the wall. Goes to Goodwill and finds some of the noble family's music people got tired of listening to and brings it home, puts it in the 8-track. There's young people out there going, what's an 8-track? What's Harold doing? He's trying to convince himself and everybody comes around his house. I must be a Christian because I got the gospel music and I got the Bible and I got Jesus praying in the garden and I got the praying hands. When the unclean spirit comes back and finds the house swept and garnished, then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and enter in and the last state of that man's worse than the first. You know why? He didn't have anything in his life but sin. And Jesus says this woman, go and quit sinning. Sin no more. Can man do that? You know, we've got a heart that's desperately wicked. That's why he gave us the continual process of getting cleansed. Amen. The same blood that cleansed me initially when I got saved is the same blood that washed me today when I said, Lord, I shouldn't have thought that and I shouldn't have said that. Would you forgive me? It's a, it's a divine pardon. It's a directing pardon. Brother Prophet, I couldn't think of another D, so I put, it's a downright wonderful pardon. Amen. Downright wonderful, amen. amen. An old gospel song says, it's a wonderful feeling when you finally found what you've been looking for. Boy, I didn't find Jesus. He found me, but I quit looking when I, when I got him. The intimidating presence, the intended purpose, the introspective pause, the immutable pardon, and the last one is the indescribable peace. Indescribable peace. A woman taken in adultery, the shame, the shame to be told, go and sin no more. There's a rebuke. Don't do it no more. Jesus sits down on the well curbing. The Samaritan woman comes out to draw water and said, if you ask me, I'll give you a drink. you never thirst again. She said, that's what I want. She gets saved that day. Amen. Bible says she goes back in the city and tells the men of the city, come see a man which told me all things I ever did. And she don't talk to women because the women don't want to have anything to do with her. She's had five husbands. Once she's gotten out, it's not her. She's a homewrecker, a husband stealer. When they see her, they cross on the other side of the street. So she tells the men, come see a man told me all things ever I did. And I suppose there were some red faces in that crowd. Jesus specializes in sinners. Specializes in sinners. God's burdened my heart to pray for my family more than I ever have. We have a member of our family way out there. In fact, she's only a member by marriage. 
not the immediate family way out there. She's living with another woman. Now, it's sin. It's gross sin. It's abomination. That's exactly what Jesus died for. He specializes in sin. And I've asked God not to turn over to reprobate mind until he could send somebody by that loved her. I pray that it be me. I go tell her in love. I'm glad he didn't beat me up. I'm glad he didn't reject me. I'm glad he said, Harold, whatever you've done, I'll save you. And he did. And then you and I get around someone that's not right and we look down our noses at them. Shame on us. The indescribable peace, the rebuke, the release, go, and the reward. As you're leaving, dear lady, watch your step, those piles of rocks. Don't stumble over those. There's some rocks, stones, rather the Bible calls them stones. There's some stones that we need to let go of in our life. Not use them on each other. We're, we're in this together. We really are. Can you see this right hand of mine right here? Can you see that hand? There have been times in the past where this hand right here has taken a hammer and hit this hand's thumb. Can I get a witness? It hurt. Oh, it hurt. But this hand has never said, give me that hammer. Now put your thumb down there and hold it real still. I'm going to show you what hurting's all about. You hurt my thumb. That's never done that. This hand, this hand has thrown the hammer aside and rushed over there to get aid and assistance to this hand's thumb. I'm sorry. It's an accident. I'll never do it again. Please. While we... We get hurt somewhere. We can't wait to hurt them back. Somebody taken in a sin. We can't wait to hurt them. Shame on us. We need to be more like Jesus. We can't be exactly Jesus. We can be more like him. Heads are about and eyes are closed for just a few moments this evening. Heads are about, eyes are closed. We're going to have an invitation time. Invite our musicians to come.